0: Submission to God's word and will by and by setting the example, they then lead the example for others to follow. The book of Hebrews, chapter number 13, and verse number seven says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. And so, you know, many times people think that. Oh, that's just for pastors. Uh, They have to. Uh, They're an exception. But I don't have to be that way. Um, It is true that if a man does not meet these qualifications, then he cannot pastor a church. But just because it's a standard for pastors doesn't exempt every other Christian from needing to do the same thing. What I'm trying to say this morning is that People have no problem holding a pastor to a higher standard, but when it comes time for the pastor to hold his people to a higher standard, oh, no, preacher, that ain't for me. The excuse is, I'm not a a pastor. I don't have to. I can tell this thing's going to go over like a lead balloon, so (laughs) buckle up and have fun today. How does this text, preacher, How does this text apply to us? It's about pastors and ordaining elders in the church. How does it apply to all Christians? Well, first of all, because pastors are not the exception to these things. They are the example for these things. Remember, we've all got a part. Y'all remember that from last week? We've all got a part. Let me say it like this. Leaders, leaders are examples, not the exception. Leaders are examples, not the exception. In some capacity or another, each one of us follows an example and sets an example. See, true leaders are examples, not exceptions. Uh, hold your place in Titus. Turn a couple pages to the left to First Timothy. Just a page or two to the left to First Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter number 4, I want to do a little Bible study before we get into our text in Titus. 1 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 12, the Bible says, Let no man, you see that? Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an, a what? an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Hey Timothy, Be an example. Don't don't let anybody uh, despise your youth. I want you to be an example to the believers. Turn a couple more pages to the left to Philippians. Philippians, just a few more pages to the left. Philippians chapter 3. And I want you to look at verse number 17. Philippians chapter 3. And verse number 17. If you're there, would you say amen? Look at verse 17. Brethren, be What's the word? Followers. Followers. Everybody say followers. Followers. Everybody say follow an example. Now say set an example. Okay, he says in verse 17, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so, as you have us for an example. So Philippians 3, 1 Timothy 4. How about 1 Corinthians 11? Turn a couple more pages to the left. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's important for you to see what the scripture says for yourself because if you're not careful, I might try to hoodwink you and tell you something that ain't really in the Bible. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 in verse number 1, Be ye, what's the word? Followers of me. Now, I'm just saying I ain't going to follow no man. I mean, you know, I'll go to church and all this, that, and the other, but I ain't following no man. What does Paul say? Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of, of who? Of Christ. So when a man stands up and says, uh, I'm going to follow Christ, y'all follow me as I follow Christ, that's something to follow. Uh, He's setting an example for uh, an example to be followed. And if you come back to Titus, Titus chapter number 1, one other reference, I'll just read it to you as you're making your way back to Titus is in First uh, Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5 and verse number 3, uh, Peter writes to his uh, to the elders there, and he says, uh, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by uh, constraint, but willingly, nor uh, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage. How many of y'all know a pastor ain't supposed to be a dictator? How many of y'all know a pastor ain't supposed to be a dictator? Right? Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being and samples, examples to the flock, setting the example. And so what we see in Titus chapter number 1 is not an exception for one class of people. This is qualifications for an example that is set for everyone else to follow. Nobody's called, uh, I, don't, I don't think anybody other than myself is called to pastor Truth Baptist Church. Okay? However, because I'm called, I need to set an example for you so that you can then follow that example in your leadership roles. Because as I follow Christ, you should follow me. Here's here's that lead balloon again. I can just see it right now written all over your faces. See, there are several principles throughout this. I'm glad you all think that's funny. There are several principles throughout this text that give us a good picture of not only what a pastor should be like but what all leadership should look like. First we see the call, and then the character, and then the cause of godly leadership. If you take taken notes, uh, number one, I want you to see the imperative call for godly leadership. Look again at verse number five. He says in a verse five, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordained. The thing to understand about godly leadership is that it's, it's divinely mandated. Uh, God says, hey, I'm sending you down to Crete, Titus, because there's some stuff I want you to set in order. And if there's one thing I know about the God of the Bible, he's a God of order. And he has placed every member in this body of, in this body of believers and in the body of Christ as a whole as it has pleased him. And the problem that they were facing at Crete was that some of the parts were out of joint. Some of the parts weren't working properly. Some of the parts needed to be set back in order. Uh, When I was in college, uh, I dislocated my shoulder. And uh, 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 I dislocated it twice within like 24 hours. And uh, that was some of the most excruciating pain I've ever had in my life. And uh, several years later, I was uh, working in concrete, throwing something heavy over my head, and my shoulder came out again. I had all this scar tissue and stuff. And, man, that thing came out the third time several years later. And then after that, I'd be uh, sleeping in the bed and laying over on my tummy because I'm a tummy sleeper. And uh, I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and I can't feel my arm. And my my shoulders out of socket, and the things like up here, you know, and and like just hanging or whatever. And uh, uh, I'm like, honey, my shoulders out of socket, and it's the middle of the night, and she about passes out. She can't she she can't take stuff like that. And uh, so so she would pass out back in the bed, not because she was tired, but because she was grossed out by it. And you know what I'd have to do? I'd have to take other members of the body and I'd have to set that one part back in place. They told me to do the itsy bitsy spider going up the gutter and onto the top of the house and then my shoulder would come back into place. And it was the most excruciating pain I ever had. I mean, I've broken bones before and, and uh, mashed my big toe, but man, uh, getting a dislocated uh, a part of your body, there ain't nothing like it. And when Titus is sent to Crete, he says, uh, set in order the things that are wanting because there's some parts in this body of believers that are set out of order and they need to be set back in place. And so the first thing that you need to deal with, Titus, is this call to leadership. It's an imperative call because we need leaders. We need leaders. Godly leadership is God's design. It's God's design and, and godly leadership is, is also uh, uh, its designated for the mature it's designated for the mature look at uh uh, verse number five again he said uh, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as i had appointed thee uh elders um see there's one thing um i know about my generation uh and the next it's that we need to learn how to respect our elders again and all the elders said amen right okay um What he's talking about here is not age elders. He's talking about maturity level. He's not—he's—he's he's not talking about age. And certainly, I'm—I'm I'm one to tell you right now that uh, my granddaddy raised me—that rank does have its privileges, and you will respect your elders. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, no, sir. Not this. Yeah. Uh huh. Kind of foolishness. When you're talking to your elders, you don't. Okay. I need some help right there, folks. Come on now. When you're talking to your elders, you're going to respect your elders. And when God says, "Hey, I want you to set up some people," they need to be elders. But it's not just a number thing on a calendar, it's, it's spiritual maturity. See, physical age does not always equate to spiritual maturity. Did y'all know that? Did, uh, physical age doesn't always equate to the maturity in the faith. How do you know that, preacher? Well, Hebrews chapter 5 gives us some light on the situation. It says, for, when the, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk. And not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. It don't matter how old he is. If he's drinking the milk of the word and barely that. You don't need to be teaching nobody. You're a babe. You need to be taught. But see strong meat. Belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use. Have their senses exercised. To discern both good and evil. See it's not just a day on the calendar. It's maturity in the faith. First Peter 2, 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Hey, preacher, how do I develop uh, m- uh, into a mature Christian? What develops spiritual maturity? I love what um, uh, Elihu, uh, over in the book of Job, I mean Job, that's the one I'm looking for, Job chapter number 32 uh, if y'all have read the book of Job before, uh, Job goes through this terrible trial and then he has three friends that are miserable comforters and they try to help him out, uh, but they don't give him any good advice, any comfort, or what, uh, any comfort whatsoever. And then this young guy, toward the end of the book, uh, named Elihu, he says, uh, he says to Job's three friends and to Job, Hey, uh, I kept my mouth shut because I thought y'all were older than I was, that y'all were more mature than I was, but I found out that uh, there's a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty, that gives them understanding, and I've got God's word, and I don't know what y'all been talking about, but because of what God says, I know what this man ought to do. These three men thought, boy, because they were uh, older and and uh, uh, had more days on the earth, that they were more mature and knew what to tell him, but Elihu said, no, uh, that ain't right because y'all uh, are making a mess of Job's life and your miserable comforters. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, I have more understanding than all my, uh, students, y'all can use this uh, uh, on Monday in school. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients. Because I keep thy precepts. What's he saying? I understand more than the person that's been on the earth uh, way longer than I have because I am keeping God's testimonies. I'm keeping God's precepts. I'm studying the word of God and it's the word of God and the reason of use that exercises it that uh, 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 develops that discerning ability between good and evil. Uh, What I'm trying to say in my country bumpkin way is when you read the Bible, you grow up as a Christian. Amen and amen god help me up here lord help me i need you jesus lord help me i'm getting tongue-tied trying to be cute help me to preach the bible amen and amen you know what's sad it's sad how few men in our churches today in our society today are biblically qualified to lead it's sad what's even worse is when people don't rise to the... I mean, pastor in a church, that's one thing. I mean, it's, it's sad how many people won't even uh, meet the qualifications uh, to, to, to pastor a church. But what, what's even worse than that is when a father and a husband or a wife or, or, or children don't even meet the standard that God has called them to. Uh, By fulfilling their basic roles. See, God's looking for leaders to set the example. He's looking for men to start leading. I love our Sunday school. We started this thing called Real Men Lead. And men, if you're in here, you're not too late to start with us next week, okay? It's up to us men to lead our homes and our wives and our children. But it's sad how many people out there uh, can't even fulfill those roles. Let alone roles in the church. Amen, that's good preaching. I love what Jeremiah said And I don't love it I hate it But Jeremiah chapter number 9 Verse number 3 It's a sad state in Jeremiah's day Because he said There ain't nobody that's valiant For the truth And I'll tell you what we need In this church And in this day and hour It's some men It's some ladies It's some godly Christians That would get valiant For the truth And get uh, quit being pushovers And quit getting offended At every little thing And stand up for the truth And be valiant for the truth This still is the uh, the land of the free And the home of the brave Ain't it? I mean, well, good night. Why has it got to be uh, in the United States of America that people get offended by a status on Facebook, but when it comes to standing for truth in a church, we're going to get our butt on our shoulders and walk out the door. I'm talking about we got to grow up if we're going to lead. By example. By example. By maturity. By maturity. That's what godly leaders do. You're mature. You're, you're valiant for the truth. I'm talking about examples for godly leadership. I wonder if there's anybody here today that would put their big boy britches on or their big girl britches on and say, you know what, God has called me to set an example to those that look to me for leadership and I want to fulfill my God-given role and be that and do that in the realm that God has called me to. I'm talking about mamas raising your babies the way God wants you to. I'm talking about daddies uh, uh, stewarding the lives that God has put in your life. I'm talking about friends being examples to the people around you. I'm talking about examples of godly leadership, whether you're a pastor, a dad, mom, a grandparent, an older sibling, a fellow employee, whatever the case, God has called each one of us to a specific realm of leading by example. So the imperative call for godly leadership in in verse number 5, it's it's divinely mandated, it's designated for the mature. But number 2, we see the individual character of godly leadership. I've been hanging around Kenny Baldwin too long. I'm alliterating my messages now. Again, I like alliteration, so if you don't, sorry. The individual character of godly leadership is what we see. First of all, a godly leader prioritizes their relationships. A godly leader prioritizes their relationship. Look at verse number 6. What does it say? If any be blameless, the what? The husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot, or unruly you see a godly leader prioritizes their relationship they know that uh before i'm a pastor before i'm a ceo before i'm a dentist before i'm a principal before i'm a brick mason i'm a husband Woo! that's some good preaching preacher and before i'm a pastor before i'm a principal before i'm a dentist before i'm a farmer before i'm anything else i'm a father to my children the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. Notice he says blameless. This means that a, an eligible person for this leadership role must be without blame in these things. If you're going to lead by example, you got to prioritize your relationships. Numero uno. Before a daddy's called to be a leader to his kids, he's called to lead his wife as a husband. The so kids have a difficult time being raised the way God intended when that basic family unit of one man and one woman is broken down or distorted in any way. And see, mommy and daddy don't act like a team and work together to raise the family, and so uh, really the whole family's a mess. That's why you're the, thank you baby, I love the amens on that one, because a, a godly leader prioritizes their relationship. I'm a husband of one wife. I'm the. I'm. The, uh, I got faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. Give it a couple of years, Willow might be rioting or unruly. I don't know yet, but by golly, I'm going to try to do my best in leading my family. The point is, is that God intends for men to provide and instruct, and He calls for the women to nurture. And when there's harmony and balance uh, that takes place in the home, uh, that's when a husband leads his wife and the wife guides the home. See, more important than your job is your role as a husband and father. Putting food on the table don't make any difference if contention and strife abounds in the home. Hey, you, hey, you could teach your kids how to kill a buck all you want, but if you never teach your kids how to read the Bible and pray to Jesus, you got problems, friend. Amen. Hey, my, dad, my daddy taught me how to uh, uh, skin, skin a deer and, and uh, gut them out and uh, taught me how to fish and uh, taught me all of these things, man, life skills, how to turn a wrench on a car. That's all good and well. But, buddy, when I come to God, I need to, I need to understand that uh, when I get in God's Word, that's what's going to develop me uh, spiritually. That's how I'm going to grow. And if I don't take heed to the leadership role that God has called me to, my kids are going to suffer. My wife's going to suffer. i got to prioritize my relationships. Hey, if your kids won't follow you, why should the church? If your kids are unruly, no wonder your church members are. If you're not faithful in the basics, you won't be in the complex. Faithful in a little, faithful in much. A godly leader prioritizes their relationship. A godly leader is prudent in their responsibility. Is prudent in their responsibility. Look at the beginning of verse number 7. He says, For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God. Paul uses two terms in this passage to describe the pastor of a church. Uh, Elder, we've already seen it in verse number 5, and then bishop here in verse number 7. Now, elder speaks of of the dignity of the office, okay, Uh, one that is mature in the faith. But then a bishop uh, speaks of the duty of the office. See, an elder should be respected for their maturity, but with that also comes the responsibility of being a bishop. I've found that people want respect without taking responsibility. People want respect without taking responsibility, or they'll take responsibility, but no one gives them any respect. (laughs) See, the two go hand in hand. They're two sides of the same coin. And so when Paul says elder and bishop, he's talking about the dignity and the respect and the duty and the responsibility. See, a bishop simply means an overseer. One that oversees is kind of like a a job site superintendent, right? Um, A project manager superintendent right when I was working in concrete um, I would go to these commercial job sites and there'd be all these um, uh, different contractors working on this one uh, site and uh, different foremans and then laborers and, and all of that and usually there was only one superintendent and you know that superintendent his job was to oversee the whole project his job was to oversee what this guy was doing and what that guy was doing and it wasn't his job to do their job It was just his job to encourage them and empower them to do their job the best that they could. And in churches, good night, I mean, uh, I've seen where the pastor's trying to do everybody's job because they can't do it good enough for the pastor. So the pastor needs to jump in. Well, I'm preaching to the pastor right now. Y'all need to, come on now. Amen, preacher. Preach on. See, the superintendent oversees the project. But it's not the superintendent's job to do everything. It's the superintendent's job to say, "Man, you sure are doing a good job," and and I'm not going to get down there and finish the concrete. You do it better than I do. I can't do it like you can. I can't I can't do your job like you can. Hey, church member, I can't do your job like you can. But my job as a bishop is to oversee the thing, and I would I would put myself in a hole if I tried to do everybody's job in here. Amen, and amen. See, a true leader recognizes the abilities of everyone else and then holds them accountable and encourages them but can't do their job for them he says as the steward of god did you see that in verse number seven as the steward of god see every good thing we have is a gift from god and should be stewarded as such we've been given a role uh, and we've been given a great responsibility and god will hold you accountable hey god's going to hold you accountable for your home God's going to hold you accountable for the friends you had and the influence you had upon them. God's going to hold me accountable for this church. So many times we're saying, yeah, I didn't sign up for all that. How many of y'all ever said that in your life, right? I didn't sign up for all this. That's true. God did. God signed you up to be a good father. God signed you up to be a good mama. God signed you up to be a godly young Christian with good friends and and setting an an example for your friends. God called you to that. So maybe you didn't sign up for it, but God did. God signed you up. I can't be held accountable for this. Yes, you can. Your role is found in your your very identity, and you're going to be held responsible. I'm talking about uh, it's real easy to father a child. It's a whole other ballgame to raise a child. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about stewarding the responsibilities that God has given each and every one of us. Okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians 4:2 says, um, uh, uh, moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. See, as a steward of God, I've got to be found faithful. We are to steward our marriages, our children, our employees, our friendships, recognizing them as gifts and blessings from God to manage not in some cold, begrudging way, but in a warm, invested manner as a joyful and eager opportunity to invest and be found faithful. I want to raise my baby to love Jesus. And so I'm going to have to steward her little mind and steward her little heart and, and I'm going to have to sit down with her and steward that life. I want to have the best marriage I can have. So i got to steward it. i got to put in the work and the time. I'm going to be kept, held accountable. And so are you. It's not just for pastors. Pastors aren't the exception. They're the example. Don't you, don't you think that I ain't up here shaking in my boots. Look, I realize the responsibility of a pastor, but, but understand you can hold me to that standard and, and by golly, by God's grace, I'm going to stand to it too, but I'm going to, as a good pastor, hold you to your standard as well. Amen. Aren't you glad somebody get up and preach the truth to you at Truth Baptist Church? This ain't tickle your ear, Baptist Church. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for truth. Can we take it, church? See, in your realm of responsibility and your realm of leadership, are you setting an example of faithfulness? If you want R-E-S-B-E-C-T, it starts with responsibility. Responsibility. Daddy, it's your responsibility to lead your family in devotions. Daddy, it's your responsibility to get the family up and get them into church. Come on, ladies. I need some help on that. Daddy, it's your responsibility. Where's all the men at? It's your responsibility to get your family in church. A godly leader his individual character. He's... Uh, He prioritizes his relationship. He's prudent in his responsibility. A godly leader, this is for ladies too, okay, is personally regulated. What do you mean? Look at the end of verse number 7. He says, as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate a godly leader not just a pastor a godly leader is personally regulated see this person is not selfish they're selfless they're not out of control but one that exercises self control that word self-willed there means not not self-pleasing or arrogant a true godly leader isn't proud or self-serving not soon angry saw that one right Not soon angry Did you know that when a leader uh, flies off the handle More people are affected More people are hurt And so this leader This godly leader uh, Cannot be soon angry They've got to be able to have patience and long suffering Aren't those fruits of the spirit An example not an exception Not soon angry How about this one Not given to wine See pastor That's just for you Not me See, we're going, to hold, we're going to hold you to this standard. But when you set the example, don't come at us with what we should be doing. Not given to wine. See, this is, when, uh, this is when we think these things are exceptions. Exclusive to the pastor. Uh, when we get to something we don't like. That's when it becomes an exception. That's when we cherry pick and say, yeah, I ought to do better on that, but yeah, no, that one's for the preacher. Mighty quiet in here. Rather than example for you to follow, we think, uh, it's an exception. And when the pastor tries to hold you to a standard, well, he's just trying to tell everybody what to do. <laughs> no, I'm trying to set the example. Well, I just use a little wine for my stomach's sake, my often infirmities, preacher. Don't you know the, that's in the Bible? Well, don't you know Jesus drank wine, preacher? Use a little wine for your stomach's sake. See, that was even written to a pastor for medicinal purposes. This is the same reason. You want to why it says uh, not given to wine? It's the same reason the Bible also says neither give place to the devil. Because when you, when, you, when you open yourself up to all these substances and all this junk, you're opening yourself up to something that's going to influence you and change the way you think. And so the man of God that stands up with the word of God to try and teach the people of God about how they should live for God, uh, he can't be given a wine. Because if I've had a couple uh, before, and I'm just saying, if there was anything that drove a man to drink, it'd be pastor in a Baptist church. Amen and amen. You can amen that one till the cows come home. But look here, a a, a pastor can't be given a wine. Not as an exception, but as the example because I care about you, because I want your life to be better, because I'm tired of seeing people uh, drown away their sorrows when they could get on their knees and get the thing right uh, before God. So uh, before you open yourself up to those destructive influences, don't try to duck it as an exception. A godly leader isn't controlled by substance or brought under its power. Hey, Titus, if you find somebody like this that's personally regulated and understands the detrimental effects of these things, that guy is probably a good one to set an example for everybody else. What's the next one? Not giving a wine? No striker. That just simply means he ain't going to be violent or malicious. I'm not one to fight but if you sock me in the mouth I hope I'd have enough I I, I think some of y'all are probably thinking about Socking me in the mouth already uh, After all this preaching but if you sock Me in the mouth I hope that I'd have enough grace To turn the other cheek Amen isn't that spiritual But I can tell you something if you lay hands on my Wife you lay hands On my darling that's A different story right I might just answer a fool According to his folly after that Lay hands on my wife I'm I'm going to answer you according to your folly. And all the men in the church said amen, right? You lay hands on my grandbaby. You lay hands on my wife. Hey, the Bible says don't be malicious and violent, but there is such a thing as self-defense and justice. Amen and amen, right? You lay hands on my wife. You lay hands on my baby. It ain't going to be good. By the way, isn't it interesting how many men and fathers are like this in the physical realm? But when it comes to leading your family spiritually, you let the devil put his nasty, filthy, wicked hands all over your family. All over your wife. You let that wicked world and the devil grope the hearts and lives of your children and the people of God uh, that, that God has entrusted to your care and we don't think twice about it. Let the devil put his hands all over your family. Where's the man in the room? When are we going to stand up? Yeah, you touched my wife. I'm a to sock in the mouth. What about the devil? What about the devil filling your child's mind with all the junk out there? Boy, it's some good preaching right here. Be a man of God and stand up and fight for your family. What am I talking about? Father, God, God, the devil's got my baby. And I pray, Lord, that you would get him off of him. Lord, that you'd bind the devil. What are you doing, preacher? I'm standing up for my family. I'm being a man of God. I'm being valiant for the truth. And I'm just saying if there's going to be some godly leaders in Truth Baptist Church, we're going to have to wake up and smell the coffee. It ain't just in the physical realm. It's in the spiritual. It's in the spiritual. Leading your family, standing up for the truth. No striker. <laughs> Not given to filthy lucre. Not given to filthy lucre. I'll tell you this much. That just means, um, uh, you know, he ain't in it for the money, right? I'll tell you this much. When it comes to the pastor of the church, I ain't in it for the money. I don't do it for the money. I'm thankful that all my needs are met. And I mean that. I am content and thankful for God's provision and your, uh, y'all's generosity. But being a leader ain't easy. Y'all know that. Setting a godly example will cost you. And so Paul says, you can't be in this thing for the wrong reasons, Titus. These elders, these bishops can't be in it for the wrong reason. It's not about the money. But again, this just speaks to uh, the person's motives of of, uh, uh, not self-serving and not being for a greedy gain, okay? Can I just say this on a side note? All the money in the world uh, would not convince me to take my job any more seriously than I do right now. Y'all could pay me three times what you do, and it wouldn't make me take my job any more seriously than I do right now. See, the value of being a leader is not found in what you gain personally. The value of being a leader is not found in what you gain personally. Here's a good principle. It's found in what you give personally. Amen. In stewarding those lives. In, in, in leading your family. It's the That's where I find value. It's when you say, aha, I see it preacher. Aha, God's changing my life. Aha, when your children learn that's the value for the leader. Not in what you can gain, but what you can give. That's what a real leader does. That's what a real leader does. I'm getting upside down up here. A godly leader is personally regulated. A godly leader uh, prioritizes their relationship and is prudent in their responsibility. Let me hasten. Notice number three, the influential cause of godly leadership. Look at uh, verse number nine. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. See, when we steward relationships and responsibilities, what we're really stewarding is our influence. See, God sets up leaders to set examples for the reason of teaching others. That's why he has us in the roles that he does. See, the reason we steward this influence is to lead others to the truth uh, that they may serve and worship God the way that they ought by following our example. And when it, when it comes to their influence, a godly leader first takes an adhering position. Notice he says in verse number 9, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught. Right? Hey, how many of y'all know that um, to be able to teach, you first got to learn? To be able to teach, you first got to be taught? Hey, to lead, you first got to follow. To lead, you first got to follow. And so if a person is trying to lead uh, and they're not following Christ, then they're not leading you in the right way. We need some students of God's word that would hold fast the faithful word as they've been taught and uh, get serious about being a student of God's word that they may teach others. And then notice lastly, a godly leader, after they take that adhering position, uh, surrendering themselves and being submissive to the word of God, they then can speak with an authoritative persuasion. He says, that he may be able by his charisma, that he may be able uh, uh, by his wit, that he may be able uh, by his uh, uh, cute tie, that he may be able by his... uh, No, what does it say? That he may be able by sound doctrine. Godly authority is not found in an office. It's not because of a title. It's Just because you have a title doesn't mean you have influence. See, godly authority is found in the Word of God. So if I ask others to submit to it, I first got to submit to it. I can't pull the uh, because I'm your dad and I said so card if I'm not first setting the example. See, I might get compliance. I might get compliance temporarily, but it won't bring about a lasting change because I don't have any influence, no, no credibility. If I'm not serious and passionate about my part in God's plan, why should you be? Did you notice in our in our passage today how that the important, uh, the importance of the order. See, before there's any mention of teaching or leading others like we find in verse number 9, there's first the requirement of personal character. See, if I'm not obeying God's word, why should the person I'm trying to exhort and convince listen? Maybe the reason people don't listen to what you have to say is because they haven't seen it obeyed in your own life. Parents, maybe the reason you're a kid, oh, don't, don't, don't let me lose you yet. Parents, maybe the reason your kids don't listen to you or respect their teacher at school is because they see the example you set. Maybe the reason your kids don't respond to the preaching of God's word is because they never see you respond to the preaching of God's word. Maybe the reason that uh, they talk bad about the pastor is because they hear you talk bad about the pastor. They're just following the example they see. And so if we're going to truly lead, and have the authority that we should. It's going to be with the Word of God that He may be able, by sound doctrine, both to what exhort and to convince the gainsayers. See the 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 purpose of communicating truth and being a leader is to lead and help others. And when it comes to our influence upon others, it must be founded upon love and upon intention, upon trying to help that person. Caleb's coming up here. I want to, I want to use him in a in an illustration. Come on up here, Caleb. Now, Caleb, I'm your leader, okay? Now, as a godly leader, I want to, by sound doctrine, exhort and to convince him that he should um, uh, do the things I'm going to ask him to do, okay? Uh, And so we know the Bible says that you should come to church, right? Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together and uh, give attendance to reading. The Bible also says we should read our Bibles. So if I truly want uh, Caleb to make a change in his life I, w- I really want to lead him in the right way And lead him uh, like I should Then um, uh, I'm going to tell Caleb You know Caleb you really ought to come to church more often Caleb you know you really, ought to, you really ought to be reading your Bible Caleb may comply for a little time Caleb may say Yeah you know Pastor Chris is right I guess I ought to do that But you know that word exhort uh, that, that word is parakaleo. Uh, it means to come along beside uh, and then lead and then convince. And so to exhort, I was talking to, uh, with, with someone else about this the other day. Uh, there's a lot to be said about encouraging people to do the right thing. If I just tell you what to do all the time, the, you're not going to do it for the right reasons. But if I do this, if I say, Caleb, I'm, I'm parakaleo. I'm coming alongside. I say, come on, Caleb, let's go to church. Come on, man. You, you see what I'm doing? I'm leading him. And I say, you know what, Caleb? Reading your Bible is a great thing. I'm leading him. And because he sees me doing it, I'm exhorting him. I'm convincing him. I'm leading him in the right way. Rather than, rather than, Caleb, come on to church. Caleb, why don't you? He's a good boy. He's a good follower. Caleb, why don't you read your Bible, man? Open that book up. Don't you know nothing? Hey, man, let's sit down together. What's the difference? What's the difference? Influence, influence. I'm encouraging him. I'm exhorting him to do the right thing. And influence. See, see, I'm, man. I'm sorry. I'm just wearing you out. If I, if I'm like this and I'm, I'm barking down at him. I'm barking at him and trying to tell him what to do. He's not. He's like, okay, I need to try to do better. But if I come alongside him and, and encourage him and he sees it in my own life that I first am taught and am following Christ and then I try to lead him, I have influence in his life. Thank you, you can be seated. I have influence in his life. Because, you know, the old, the old saying goes like this, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So if you truly want to lead someone and show them the right way, uh, you've, got to, you've got to come alongside them. You've got to come alongside them and exhort them, and then you can convince them of the truth. In summary, we see the call for godly leadership, not just to pastors but moms and dads, young people, grandparents, employers, employees, to set things straight and in order according to God's design. We see the individual character of of a godly leader. They set an example for others, prioritizing their relationships, prudent in their responsibility, and they're personally regulated. I'm not just talking about the pastor. I'm talking about every leader in here. You say, well, I don't know if I'm a leader or not. Are you a brother? Are you a sister? Are you an employee? Are you a friend? You're leading. You're, You're setting an example, and you're following an example. And lastly, As a godly leader sets the example in their own life by taking taking heed to the word of God, they then have credibility and influence to help and lead others in the truth. So yes, this, this, this passage is about pastors and ordaining pastors of local churches and how they must be godly leaders, but pastors aren't the exception. They're an example. So in whatever realm of leadership you're called to, may we all, like Paul, say, be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. See, when we follow Jesus, that's when we can set an example of godly leadership. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, God, for the scripture. Lord, um, despite my inability as a communicator, I know that your word has spoken. I know your word is true, Lord. It's not about what I say. It's about what you say. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to every mom in here today pray that you'd speak to every dad in here, every husband and every wife. God, I pray that you'd speak to every young person, Lord, to, Lord, spur them on to be the godly example that they ought to be. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity you've given me today to share your word with your people. I pray, God, that you would bless um, as we reflect upon your word today. Lord, I uh, am so thankful for this church. Thankful for what you're doing in it. We ask that you would continue to bless and guide us as a church body. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, We're not going to have an invitation today, but what I would like to do is...